Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, it's Ethan Skolnick, co-host of the Five Reasons Sports Flagship and co-founder of the Five Reasons Sports Network. In our network, we now have 13 podcasts, and every week we've been trying to give you a spotlight. So we give you a couple of clips from other podcasts in our network. Now, these are extended clips, roughly 15 minutes each. Now, recently we've had balls cast, we've had three yards per carry, we've had swings and misses, and we've had Goldie on ice. And this week, we're going to spotlight two others, Fish Tank and Miami Heat Beat. Fish Tank is hosted by former Dolphin O.J. McDuffie and by Seth Levitt, who's worked for the Dolphins and for the Jason Taylor Foundation for the past two decades. And what they do in their podcast is they have guys, former players, a lot of them, but also friends of O.J., people that you'd know, join them to dive into the fish tank and basically tell great stories in a very relaxed atmosphere. Miami Heat Beat are 10 or more of the most dedicated, we call them fanalists in this market. They're fans who are also analysts. They're now all credentialed to the Miami Heat, and they just have a great time talking about the team. So we're going to play you clips from each this week. The first from Fish Tank is with Mark Dixon, who is one of my favorite players to cover during the time that I was covering the Dolphins, one of the most honest, humble athletes you'll ever meet. And Dix has not done a lot of interviews in recent years. So this will be a great listen. The second with Miami Heat Beat is based on Dwayne Wade. He decided to come back to the Heat, and obviously that had the guys very excited. So first Fish Tank and then Miami Heat Beat. But clearly, you know, despite their best efforts, you know, you guys both ended up at UVA, as you said, had an All-American career there. But uh, unfortunately, things took a turn for the worse. You had some injuries and some surgeries. Talk about that journey, man, because, you know, you and I have talked about that for hours. But you you did not take the traditional path. Not everybody had the O.J. McDuffie there with the go. first pick, Every the Miami Dolphins. That's left. right. Every time we get on, I hear the same thing, man. <laughs> That's right, dude. Now, my story is a little different, man. I'll tell you what. When I came out of college, I thought I would be drafted. And then uh, I think, you know, after I didn't get drafted, I think I was red flagged for some, some back injuries. And, and, and it was, they were right to red flag me because I got a free agent with the Eagles and went up there for the three-day camp and did really well and came home and was lifting weights and ruptured a disc in my back. And so, and I think that's probably what they saw when they did the uh, MRIs and stuff at the combine. It's, uh, then I was totally out of the league, you know, and I did, I fell out of college. I didn't have my college degree and I was riding on a lawnmower working at a golf course right. for about six months and had to have next surgery and didn't think I'd ever play again and then I got a, a buddy of mine Sean Moore who I played with in Virginia was in the World League and they didn't have enough line so I weighed about 240 and they called me down there 
And uh, Terry said, I, I think he can play, you know. So I went down there. And that's kind of how my journey started to the NFL. So it was about three years, three to four years there playing in Canada in the World League, kind of bouncing around, just trying to get my weight and strength back up. And then uh, that's when I finally made it down there. And, and thankfully, Jimmy was there and the opportunity popped. Well, you know, a lot of guys, they, they give up on the dream like that, Dix. Yep. You know what I mean? And you knew you had the talent and the skills, you know, and you, you hung in there, man. And, and the dream came true to get that shot in the NFL like a lot of players don't get, man. How was that feeling? You know, I, mean, you know, I know Jimmy, you talk about Jimmy, but that had to be one hell of a feeling right there. Oh, juice, man. It was, it was incredible. And I'll tell you one of the things that happened is I met Seth and we started talking. And uh, I was staying in the Homestead Hotel down there. Didn't know anybody, but I started talking with Seth and then he took me out to the basketball court with you guys. And that's when I started getting my confidence. I'm like, well, I think I can play at this level. Because when I first came down from Canada, I just thought everybody was too good. I won't make it. But I actually gained my confidence playing basketball. And then in the weight room, I said, well, they're not that much stronger than me. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it started to form before that ever, before the first practice I ever got on the field. I already felt, wait a minute, I can play with them on the court. I can lift with them in the gym. Maybe I can play with them on the field. So I was just, I mean, it's like everything fell in line perfect for me to oh, gain man, a little I, confidence I before we ever practice. I didn't realize that. Yo, yeah, yeah, bro. I, I should send you a little bit of the, uh, my, my first signing bonus. That'd be about two or three hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I could use it, brother. You know what's so funny about yeah. what you're talking about is like I, I remember seeing Dixon like you know air dribbling in the in the training room, like backing people yep. down, shooting the fadeaway. You know, so they could do. I was like, man, you you got you got skills like that. You can hoop like that. You like, yeah, you 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 let me know right then. You could hoop a little bit right then. Yeah, man. I figured, man, if I could just get out on the court, at least I have, I leave a little memory before they cut me. I'm gonna dunk on some fool out here. That's what I kept thinking when I'd go over here. Somebody going to get it today. They're going to cut me, but I'm going to get mine on this court. You got to get one in. Got to get one in. Well, hey, yep. it, it was the dream that you pursued, and and you know the lawnmower story is unbelievable. Uh, when you hear stuff like that, I mean, I remember Juice. You know, you had a former teammate, Bernie Parmley, who was driving a UPS truck, and you, you know, Cam Wake, who was going to have a hundred plus sacks in his career, was working on in kind of Wall Street and right. stocks, and mm-hmm. thought his career was done. And and so that you know, it's an incredible journey. But then you got here, and it wasn't a hey, I'm just going to get my chance and, and get the dunk at OJ's house. Talk about. A Ronde has a nickname for you. And tell us What's about that? how that – the gift from heaven. Tell us about the gift <laughs> from oh, heaven, man. Yeah, that's something Jimmy said one day when they – I guess they were asking him about me and how he found me. And he was like, well, I don't I don't know. He was just a gift from heaven. And so then that's what uh, OG started saying to me all the time. So that's kind of how that came about. I, when I came down there, though, you know, I did have success in college. So I was over-prepared to the hill by the time I got there. So I knew – I mean, I was really over-prepared in, in the sense that I lived and I eat, everything I ate was perfect. My lifting was perfect. And I, I was, you know, it's all or none. I, it is all I got for one shot at this thing. And well, so it's not like I got in and became a journeyman. I mean, when I got there, I knew right away that, wait a minute, I can play. After the first game, I knew I could play. Um, and I don't mean that arrogantly. It's just I, I knew at that moment that, wait a minute, I can do this. And so it wasn't really sitting the bench or anything. I mean, right away after the, I guess after second or third practice, I started. And I started to the day I left. Yeah, that's, that's a great point right there. And that's like, I, I knew right away your athleticism was there, you know, but coming from where you were coming from, you had to always think like, I got to keep working hard because, you know, I'm Absolutely. to be here. Are they going to cut me? Did you ever get to that point where like, you know what, I, I, I hear what you're saying right now, but man, I made it. I can play with these guys. I can live with these guys. I'm as, as athletic as these guys are. When did you feel like it was that first game, second game? Like, I'm, I'm where I belong right now. Yeah, yeah. 
I always had such fear of being cut. So it was really, it was really interesting intellectually to, to try to grasp it all because I had an unbelievable fear of being cut because I'd been cut twice before. And I always thought that day was coming around the corner, but I also had supreme confidence that I didn't tell other people. So I was, I was always balancing that out and, you know, almost like bipolar. Some days I, I would play with an arrogance on the field like I was really good, but I had this unbelievable fear when I was in the locker room that I was going to be cut. So that's kind of, that's kind of why I couldn't play a long time in the NFL, to be honest with you, Jason. I just, my mind and my mindset can't sustain that. It was too much for me. So ultimately it overwhelmed me personally. It was too much because I had that going on all the time. A great fear of being cut and this overconfidence when I was on the field. And to try to reconcile that through the day, the stress, the pressure, and that's why I, I, you guys amazing, like you, Juice, and, and you guys that I looked up to when I got there for the years y'all played, at the level y'all played. I couldn't figure out how y'all were doing it. I didn't talk about it. I just couldn't figure it out. The stress and pressure just wore me down. So so even five, six years into your career, Dix, you're saying that you still were feeling that way? Yeah. I, I, you know, I was ready for it to be over really after three or four for me. Because I think I proved myself that I belonged and I was good enough. And that's what I wanted to prove. And then the last two or three years weren't fun anymore. Just the pressure of playing got to me too much. You know, the fear of being, I don't know, man, just overwhelmed. And that's why the veterans, the guys like Webby and all them guys that made it all the years doing it, I'm horrible at it. I just, and I remember after my first game, I called home. I said, Mom, they're not that good. I remember after my eighth game, I said, I don't know how they're still playing. I'm beat to death. I can't hardly get out of bed in the morning. So the guys that had those long careers, it's amazing physical feet. You know, Mark, this team counted on you a lot, man. They moved you around. You, you handle guard position, tackle position, and they probably could put you a tight end if, if they need, need be, man. They, this team used you in a, a lot of ways, man, that I've never seen an offensive lineman do, man, because of your athleticism, but also because of what type of teammate, what type of team player you were. Yeah, and I, and I learned that early on from the, you know, you know so many other things. We talk about basketball or fast football or who the competitors were. Fast football. And I felt like I felt like I was one of you dudes, even though I hadn't been there. And so when I watched you guys just from afar, no matter what the team was doing, y'all needed to win. It was a need for you dudes. And I felt that my whole life, that type of competitiveness. And so it was through that that I, I think I became a good teammate. Because I just wanted to win. I really, at the end of the day, I wanted Dolphins to win. And I don't know that everybody's like that in the NFL. I think a lot of people, it's a league of, of egos, naturally, because it's talented people. But it's also a league of everybody getting nerves. But see, the competitors in the group just need to win. Whether they're getting paid a dollar or they're getting paid $20 million, they need to win. That's part of the deal. So I think that was how I fed, was just the win kind of fed me. Like, I think it fed a lot of you guys during that time period. Man, that's good stuff. Yeah, it is, man. And, and you know what, Dick? So you talk about – you mentioned uh, you mentioned Webby, Richmond Webb, and you talk about the competitors and the guys that, that had the talent and were competitive, and there's probably nobody who fit that bill more than the guy who you were paid to protect with Dan Marino. What was that like after that journey? And, and granted, you've shared with us a little bit now that, that you felt you belonged, at least when you were on the field. What was that like to get into that huddle and say, I went through all this journey. I sat on the lawnmower. I've been cut all these times. I fear every day that I step off this field that I'm going to be cut. But now here I am in a huddle with Dan Marino. Oh, it's so real. I remember the first time I ever met Dan, I was in, in the training room. And he came in, and I'd never seen him. I mean, I've seen him on TV. He walked over and said, hi, I'm Dan Marino. I'm all like, like, yeah, no shit. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I can't get words out. You know, I know who you are, bro. You ain't got to tell me. Um, but the thing with Dan, man, I found, like, all of us, as soon as we got talking baseball and he was going to strike me out, I thought, you know, hell, Yellowstone Park can't hold me. 
if you throw it, it's going out. We started all that banter back and forth like we all did. And uh, he's just a, he's just a great guy. And I don't know, really quick with Dan, I just felt like he was one of us. Now, you always knew he was a legend. But I think when you're around Dan, you start to get the joke. And it just he's just a dude, man. And, he, you know, he's such a locker room guy. And all the greatness of him never really overwhelmed me after just because of who he is, I guess. Yeah, I tell you what, and that's one of the things I ran into, man. I'm like a, a guy at Penn State coming as a, you know, out of a program that we don't pass the ball, but you get an opportunity to play with Dan Marino as your quarterback wow. right away as a wide receiver. But then you get in that locker room and you, you're in awe because we, we played on the yep. games with him like I did, I'm sure. You know what I mean? And he was throwing the ball around. Yep to all these guys, but one of the most normal guys that you meet, man, and one of the best teammates you could ever have. He just disarms you of it all. He's just one of the boys, and just all the things I thought of him, and then when I get in there, he's just one of us, and I think that was the beauty of Dan. I think that's why it's so easy to play so hard for him, because, I mean, even when he would get hit, I mean, he'd get up, and he was just one of the boys, and I, that's always what impressed me most about him. I mean, obviously, he's a legend, but the ability to be just one of the boys and yet be one of the best five that have ever done it is amazing. Now, he was one of the boys, but at the same time, that was his huddle. Did you ever have a moment, and, you know, you had a heck of a career, but did you ever have a moment where he might have let you know that, that he wanted something done a little bit differently? No, but I had some moments where I, I damn sure was hoping he wasn't looking at the Jumbotron. He <laughs> reached on the play. I was looking dead in the eyes, and nobody was looking at my eyes, and he wasn't looking up there. You know, I thought, you know I'll be honest, though. My Lord, Dan, just call the play, babe. Don't look up. <laughs> you don't want to do left guard or left tackle. I just got you killed. Huh? But he never did. He was always great. You know, he was always great. He never jumped. I think when he was younger, he did a lot more there. By the time I got there, he was older. And there was friction I could feel with him and Jimmy, you know, during those days. I could sense the friction between them and kind of that year wore on. But I don't think he ever brought it into the huddle. I don't think it was quite as intense with all of us as probably with, you know, when Juice first got there and all that. Yeah, I tried it. You know, it was I was in a situation where he was losing Duper and Clayton. You know, he was getting in some new receivers yep. and, and Irvin Fryer and, and Mark Ingram and, and Tony Martin was coming into his own. So he was in a transition period, I think, from what he was used to as a, as a quarterback. Yeah. I think it's also, you know, I think he was also transitioning to being that teammate that, you know, nobody knew about. But I think a lot of guys that I talked to said that everybody has a different perception of what Danny was about. And when we get when you get in that locker room, we saw a whole different thing than we heard about in the media or you know through the fans or whatnot. Danny was a great teammate, and he proved that over and over again to us in that locker room. Absolutely, because I hear the stories about him in the huddle, but that wasn't my experience. And I don't think what you bring up is a critical point. And he probably did get on me at some point, but his presence in the locker room and how he carried himself, that certainly isn't a memory that stayed with me. It's all the other things, times I had with Dan that I remember. Nothing he ever said. Now, I'm sure he did in the at some point, but that's certainly not a big memory of mine. And that speaks to how he was in the locker room. You know, you talked about Marino, of course, and, you know, you played against, you know, a guy that suffered the Hall of Fame once again. You played with him and Big Webb. And Webby's another guy that, that was one of those calming forces on that offensive line. Did his job so well didn't hear much from him but he just did his job how was it like playing on that offensive line with big webb as well oh just a blessing man you know webb gets his body's in the worst position and come out smelling like a rose man just a ballerina <laughs> I mean, yeah just freak athlete and he's like one of them weeble wobble balls man he's getting the worst positions and 
somehow, man, he ends up, you know, blocking Bruce Smith on one leg and one finger you know, on the ground, and Dan gets the ball off him. He's kind of magical in, in what he was. He's a better human being than he was player, and he's a Hall of Fame player in my opinion. Right. Ain't a better human being than I've ever met in my life. That, that's as honest as I can put it about him. I, I'll give you a quick story about him. He, I came in, and I thought, oh, no, I'm going to get hazed. He came up to me and said, now, every day, got to get the water and the towels for all the other linemen. I'm a 28-year-old rookie, right? Got gray hair, and I'm getting the towels. <laughs> this ain't going to be good. And I thought, this joker sits right beside me. He's going to bully me every day to get these towels and his water. And I'm going to say, yes, sir, and this is how this is going to go for about the next 16 weeks. I went and got the waters at first practice. That afternoon, which Webb walked in with the water in the house and told him to all the players. See, I think I always believed that Webby did that so everybody else would leave me alone. And so Webby said, go do it, and then Webby started doing it. And then it was just a natural thing for everybody to do it. And I think that was Webby's way of kind of shielding me from some of that stuff because I was his left guard, and that's, what he, that's just how he was. He knew he had a play beside him. He didn't want me in there, you know, stressed out. And that's the type of man he was, too. Yeah, I tell you what, and that's that's one of those things right there where you talk about, like, he, he wanted to see how you how you want to react to him with yep. that request. You know what I mean? You did it perfectly. As a teammate, you've always been. You're like, you know what, I got this. Even at 28, yep. like, I'm I'm not your typical rookie, but I've got this. And yep. I think that's Webby being the man that he is. Like, you know what, this is my kind of guy right here. We're going to be okay right here. I'm a, you know, and that, that, was, that was perfect right there. Yep, I think he was, uh, he was testing me, and I passed. And then I'm, I'm – but I was so blessed to play beside him. Uh, he kept me – I remember walking up. We were playing John Randall from Minnesota. He's screaming at me in the huddle. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Miami Heat. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said. Done. I'll be saying, don't look at him. I'm saying, Webby, but I feel like a punk, man. 
He said, don't look at him. I said, man, I can't walk up the line. I got to look at him. He said, no, man. He said, I'm telling you, Dix, it'll get worse if you look. Don't look at him. He said, whatever you do, don't say nothing back. I said, man, I can't be no punk. I can't just be punked out. So I remember walking up the line with my eyes, looking down to the field for four quarters. Never looked at the man for four quarters. And I was right in front of him. I remember doing it. I said, after the game, I played all right. I said, man, I feel like a punk. And to this day, I wish I'd have looked at him at least once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For four quarters, take a little peek, man. Something. I turned the huddle and whipped my eyes to the ground and walked up there. And he talked about everything. Read my bio, talked about my wife, my kids. And then Webby just said, don't fall for it. Every play. He was, Dan was calling the play, and Webby was telling me, please don't look. If you want more of the fish tank, including recent episodes with Zach Thomas, Channing Crowder, Aranda Gadsden, and more, make sure to check out their Twitter feed, which is at thefishtank81. They also have that exact same handle on Instagram. Okay, now we're going to turn to the Miami Heat. They start training camp this upcoming week. One bit of business that did get resolved, Dwayne Wade returning to the team. The Heat beat guys obviously were very excited about that. Before we move on to that clip, though, I want to thank all the sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes Doral Toyota, Bet DSI, Seltzer Mayberg, Greenlight Tech, and others. If you'd like to advertise with the network, reach out to us at Five Reasons Sports. That's the number five reasons sports and now Miami Heat beat Welcome, welcome, welcome to this very special edition of the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Carlo Navas. And with me today, we have producer and co-founder, Mr. Brian Coins. Way back. We have our Saucy Nuggets insider, Mr. Lefty Leif. Good evening. What a great night. What a great night. And we have our Photoshopper and professional anime lover. Or I guess it's professional Photoshopper and anime lover, Brass Jazz. We're just excited here. We're ready to go. Hello, Brass. I am happy to be here. Brass, we need to. Brass, you do so much voice work for the network. We need to think of something new. Not you're not just a Photoshopper and an anime lover. You're so much more. So we need to. Maybe I'll come up with another segment tonight. The we'll voice see. of the network. <laughs> the voice of the network. La voz, Brass. Shout out to you, Jose <laughs> Pineda. But today we start with the news of the weekend. That is, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Patriots. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Dwayne Wade is back, guys. Like D Wade. Like I. I was I was in my friend's house. She just had a baby. Uh, we're, 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 we're with the child. We're having a beautiful time. And all of a sudden, my phone blows up. And I look at it. And I see that D-Wade is back for what looks like a veteran's minimum contract. And I literally jump up. I grab my friend. I kiss the baby. And I throw my fist to the heavens because it means the video Alf and I made didn't go to waste. Uh, <laughs> check that out. at my heat beat beat. Um, but Leif. D-Wade's back, man. After, we didn't think this was going to happen. It got dicey there at the end. It felt like uh, he was definitely contemplating retirement. It came close. And, uh, you know, this offseason, we've had a lot of expectations. So for it to go the way that it's went, which is quiet, uh, that was a kind of a gut punch. And if Dwayne wouldn't have came back, it would have been really difficult to conjure up, like, real, genuine, authentic excitement about this season. And uh, and Dwayne's back, so we get Dwayne's to be back, baby. we get to have I, fun I'm, with this thing. Uh, you know, I immediately started thinking about that road game in Philly, and 
and and yes. just you know all the moments the the home game at Philly at the end of the season and just thinking about recreating that kind of stuff all season long um I don't know that it, it kind of like gave me that uh you know like, I have chills dude back. like we get the farewell tour like we didn't think I I, I didn't think Dwayne was gonna do that and I know that Dwayne, you know, deep down inside really wants to be appreciated and really wants to be loved. But I, I honestly thought, because of everything that he said, that he was just going to one day, it was going to be like Manu Ginobili. It was going to be like, he was going to decide at the end of one season whether he was going to go or not, and that was going to be it. So I'm really happy that as fans, as people that appreciate him as media members, we get a chance to cover him, to appreciate his greatness, his career celebrated over the year like the way he deserves man brass i know you agree with me i see you nodding yeah yeah i think it's i like the the timing of it kind of works because the team is going to be fine um and you know it's not like that the kobe year his kobe farewell tour that team was total garbage bad that was total garbage it was bad bad and so this team is actually it's still going to be able to compete it still has a future. It has a, it's absolutely a playoff team. He's going to have playoff moments, and that and suck it, Kobe. You didn't get a chance to do that. This is so Kobe much went better. out like a boss. So this this is the actual farewell tour. <laughs> Kobe something went out like a boss. Dude. Something. Can't even slander that dude. As, no, yeah, that that was, that that was, was badass. Dude. Do y'all think that Wade's gonna have like at least how many games? Do you think he's gonna go Kobe mode, where it's like I'm taking 16 field goals in this. For in this quarter, and that's it because this is my last season. Do you think he's going to have like versus Lakers game? versus Lakers and at Lakers? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yes, definitely. He'll probably want to take out the Knicks that way. Maybe, uh, who else? You know, he oddly has had epic games against the Jazz throughout his career. That's true. That's like something that's always been like, like I remember so many great D Wade jazz games as a, just a random footnote that's happened like too many times. The Knicks is obviously one. Yeah. You Chicago. Know where I remember yeah. Chicago. His last game, Chicago probably be one there too. He torches Orlando. Poor Orlando. He has. Well, I'm glad someone can torch Orlando on this team. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Orlando horrifies me. First game of the year. Yeah, Chris I, I, Whitting- I feel a lot better about that now. Chris, yo, Chris Whittingham uh, over there on Five Reasons saying that that Orlando's better than the Heat. What kind of what kind of nonsense oh, is that? Oh, Chris, that's taking this a little bit to the extreme. Calling you out, Christopher Whittingham. Guys, I I was supp- I mean, and everyone, it's very well documented how much I love D Wade, but I was still really surprised by how genuinely happy I was. I was overjoyed with just the idea of. And I didn't even think as far ahead as what we're talking about now about the farewell tour. I was just thinking, oh my God, I get to watch D Wade play more. Like it didn't feel like enough last season. It 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 felt it was good to have it, but I wanted I wanted a whole year, selfishly. I I, I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, I think about it like this. Like when Zoe got carried off the court in Atlanta, right? That's where he blew his knee out, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um if I had known that that was gonna be his last game. Probably the the 25 games prior to that or 40 games prior to that, whatever the number may be, I would have been tuned in a little bit more watching every every play, appreciate, appreciating it a little bit more. And I know that some of that sounds kind of sentimental, but now going into the season, knowing that like these are all going to be the lasts of things, you know, the last time he does this, the last time he does that. Um, it, I don't know, dude, that's just like from a fan's perspective, you're literally, we are, 
watching the greatest player in franchise history. There's a very in high percentage history. he's never going to like, no one's ever going to surpass Dwayne Wade. So to, mm-hmm. to gear up for this season is a cool moment as a fan. Cause I think a lot of times the guys that we love um, as players, they maybe don't get the farewell tour and they're just like, you know, all of a sudden they're out and you didn't necessarily appreciate those moments. So, uh, Le- so here they LeBron? LeBron, yeah, played his last, LeBron played his last game here and we never knew it was the last game. That's a great example. Chris, Chris Bosh yeah. played his last basketball game and we never knew. Mm-hmm. And to kind of raise your point, Dwayne and Udonis are going to go out together. It's the storybook, man. It's like, perfect. dude... Like, I don't know, you know, like in me in fantasy land, I, I want to see them both out there in a playoff game, just fighting for like, just fighting for a chance to like stay in. Even if they lose, even if they go out, I want them to do it together. Has UD officially said he's not coming back again for this though? He hasn't yeah. said that, but I know that, that, at, uh, he's not going to, no, <laughs> I, just, I don't know if he said, he said something. I know that him and <laughs> Dwayne have, have like, no, I'll do one more. <laughs> have talked about it and he mentioned at the yeah. event that he held that him and Dwayne held at 800 degrees. So UD kind of mentioned, you know, like they asked UD, like, you know, are you, you going to do this without Dwayne? Like this and that. And UD was super like, eh, like non-committal because Dwayne still had not signed yet. And it's kind of funny how things change. Cause that was Thursday, right? So on Thursday night we're there and Ira, yo, Ira comes out of the box asking Dwayne, yo, have they offered you the middle of exception? <laughs> have they done this? Have they done that? And and let me tell you something. Ira's out here doing journalism. Like, Ira's out here. Ira's not here to play. And as Ira's asking these questions, Udonis starts laughing. He's like, yo, Ira, you don't give us a chance to warm up or a stretch or anything. <laughs> so, but, like, lost in all that was D-Wade was just like, ask my agent. I don't know. Yeah, no, not. I, I would like to play. I don't know. Like, it was super, not even I would like to play. He was super, like, wishy-washy about it. And then when we talked to Riley at um, um, two months ago, not two months ago, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Oh my god, man, time time flies. Oof. We talked to Riley at the grand opening of uh, those of eyes, the, those eyes, the, man, those eyes, man. The, that orthopedic <laughs> hospital that we were out there. Um, Riley was saying just kind of similar stuff. Like it's not about contract. It's not about mid level exception. And I don't. I want to pick your brains a little here, uh, Brass. I kind of think that the Heat strong arm Dwayne into this because it doesn't make sense that Dwayne was really wa- like that Dwayne was contemplating retirement for this long and then he comes and takes the minimum? Yeah, that's weird. It, it's weird, I was, dude. I, I was surprised that it was a minimum. I, I did expect the, the mid-level, though I'm elated that it wasn't. I think this is it's pretty well, why, awesome. Why are you elated? I mean, it's not, kind of, it's not your money. It's Mickey's tax money. Well, no, but it, but again, that's you know, but it still keeps the team in a in a, in a more reasonable financial standpoint going forward, and it, it's going to be easier to sort of keep him out of the tax and... You know, it's a, to make uh, to make some more moves going forward. Um, yeah, so elated isn't the word, but I, you know, I I was shocked actually because uh, I expected that or bust. Um, Me too. Hey, but maybe, um, maybe. yeah, he didn't he didn't need this. <laughs> he didn't need this. I, I mean, he he had nothing, truly nothing left to prove with the franchise. And coming back at the end of last season was awesome. It was great, and he had that. Uh, I mean, he had he had some really great moments, but I mean, especially that that man that playoff game was just is that playoff game awesome. better than the game that he had at home in the regular season following the uh, the Stoneman Douglas moment? I, I just I think, think as a community I, event like that, 
Like that yeah, resonates. That was me, a bigger. Dude. Like that was that was a bigger moment. But it, but in terms, but really in terms of like just basketball, yeah, the playoff, playoff moment. Was. Basketball playoff, Dwayne, man. But like, Dwayne kind of transcends was, in this town. Dwayne kind of transcends basketball, right? Because I think a lot of us can understand that he's thirty six years old and his advanced age, and we understand that a high usage rate for a thirty six year old, a thirty six usage for a thirty six year old, is probably not the best idea. But like we don't like basketball. Be damned. We don't care. And, like, he kind of transcends that. I was talking to Ethan today, actually, about how he's such a, like, special figure in this town that not only is he this enormous community figure in sports, dude's his own damn economy. Like, he opens this restaurant in Aventura. All sorts of people are there. He gets all sorts of socialites to show up to the soft opening. That's Things don't do well in the area that he put that restaurant in. We all know that's going to do just fine because his name's attached to it. He comes back. We put up a video. We're at like 200. What is it, Brian? Like almost 300K on one of the videos. Combines the two two videos that we posted in the last 48 hours. Yeah, we're over 300,000 now. Ethan's feasting on downloads. Like, dude is his own economy in like this seismic way that I think if you leave Miami, he's not that anywhere. Like he can't go anywhere and be any sort of impact financially to an area or just a community as he is here. And I think that's kind of amazing and lost in, oh, D-Wade's back to play basketball. Like, no, dude, like this guy matters in a way that's tangible, that there are numbers backing. We can see. I think that's I, cool. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I feel like um, for the Heat fan, this is also one of those weird moments where Dwayne is transcending winning and losing and that kind of stuff in that this also is kind of the end of the Pat Riley era to some degree. Cause we know that that's imminent. You know what I'm saying? So like, it, it's weird how this has came full circle. These guys kind of split apart and now it's going to be almost like the culmination of both of their careers is kind of going to take place kind of around the same time. So it's really tugging at the heartstrings of, of heat fans in a, in a, in an interesting way because there's so much that's happened historically with those two guys and they've kind of like repaired the relationship and, uh, and I don't really think it was about money. I really feel like this was a move where Dwayne was going to take the minimum regardless. That's just my opinion. It'd be really cool if all of a sudden we heard that he was uh, presented with, we can keep Wayne, but you're going to have to take the minimum. And then he sacrificed again to keep Wayne Ellington. No, but I think that, would, that really wouldn't cool have taken story. that long. But, uh, you know, I'm, again, uh, always looking at the positive hope traffic side of things. Ooh. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, so I think that there's just a lot of cool stuff in play and, and Dwayne being back, it's totally beyond basketball. It, it has way more to do, uh, you know, way more to it than just uh, wins and losses at this point. And, the- and from, the, from, the, from the fans' viewpoint, from like an organizational uh, point of view, it's, it, I think it means a lot going forward to have a real bookend to the, the Dwayne Wade story. To, to start there, yeah, he had that little hiccup in the very end there. <laughs> With the, with the bulls and the calves, but um, but to to come back and not just come back on a trade situation, but to come back and sign a, a final contract, and then you get to have that to 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 end and have that finality, I think is is a, a nice send off, and I think going forward is going to feel right. It would have felt kind of empty, and it would have given some questions to the organization and how they treat their players if that didn't take place. So I think it's kind of important that it happened. So I'm, yeah, that makes me really happy. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place 
by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.